When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to the Clay and Buck Show. I am not Clay or Buck. I'm Tudor Dixon. I'm guest hosting for Clay and Buck today while they search for all of the Black Friday shopping deals. But I'm so glad to be here with you. I'm part of their podcast network. We drop new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And in the podcast, I like to really learn. I mean, I think that it's important that we bring people on and we learn from them. And sometimes those topics are a little dark. I'm not going to lie. And sometimes our producers like, why the dark topics? But because if you don't know about the dark topics, you just don't learn it enough. So I like to make sure you are well learned. So I don't know if that's a word. Learned? I don't know. Anyway, obviously, I'm not learned enough. So I'm going to bring in my guest, though. He's one of my favorite people. He has been fighting sex trafficking for 20 years. And we've just had a sex trafficking ring busted here in Michigan. It's funny because they weren't even expecting to bust it. The cops just kind of were diving deeper into a possible stolen car and found this. That makes me think that this is a huge problem, folks. It's a problem that most of us don't think about and don't know how prevalent it is. But Yaku Boyens, he is the director of a great film called Sex Nation. He's been working to protect you and me for many years. I want to bring him in now. Yaku, thank you so much for agreeing to join me today on the show. Tudor, it's always a blessing to talk to you, and congrats on hosting the show, and thankful for all the great work you've done over the years. Appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. So I find this story really interesting, and I thought of you because I know how hard you fight for these women who get pulled into these sex trafficking rings, but in Michigan... What? How often does this kind of thing happen? The cops found a possible stolen car that led them to detaining 18 people. This is a they found seven women who were being held and they had a whole operation with drugs and everything. How how prevalent is this? Yeah, this case is is unfortunately, Tudor, very typical. And I always tell the American public, you know, when you see something as egregious as this, imagine what you don't see. Exactly. Imagine what you, imagine what you do not see happening. And, and by God's grace, looking into a stolen vehicle, which was which this was, uh, 
and, and crime, remember, crime begets crime, and hurt people hurt people. So there's no sex trafficking without narcotics, drug trafficking, you know, uh, human smuggling, debt bondage and labor, and all those things were prevalent here. So when you have law enforcement that are given the leeway by their superiors, such as a chief for, for police or a sheriff for his deputies, and they say, look, take the thread and dig a little bit. So seldom does that happen. But when that happens, these situations are uncovered. They go into a stolen vehicle. They're giving a little bit of leeway by a leader in law enforcement. And you would think, well, isn't that the norm? No, it's not. They're mm-hmm. understaffed, underfunded, undertrained. They are able to only look at surface-level situations. They very seldom, uh, without deep investigation, can they actually dig in. And, and, but when they do... This is a weekly occurrence, Tudor. Across and undertrained is such a, a, an interesting comment there because we know that a lot of police have left the force after all of the defund the police movements. Now you've got a lot of young people or new people, and they may not think this way. You don't have the veterans that you used to have. So to me, this is very impressive that this happened in Michigan, that these guys were able to save these women. And what an, a nice time to be able to be saved in the, the holiday season. I mean, obviously, any time is great, but gosh, what a... A scary story because we know at the holiday season people are vulnerable. A lot of these traffickers bring women in with the promise of gifts and you're going to have this and you're going to have that. And then all of a sudden they're drugged and they're involved in a very ugly lifestyle. But this also, I want to also talk about the border a little bit because this connects to the border. And Marsha Blackburn, Senator, she's a Republican senator. She just had, she just, um, She's leading a a, a piece of legislation that she wants to make sure that kids are fingerprinted at the border. And I just I'm like, how shocking that this is not happening because there are these children who are used time and time again to come to bring people back into the border. They're recycled children. They want to fingerprint kids to make sure they're not being abused in this way. Can you explain this a little bit to our audience? Yes, I'm so thankful that you're bringing this up. And Senator Blackburn, Marsha Blackburn, is actually my wife's godmother. We're very oh, close wow. to Sen- Senator. Yeah, we're very close to Marsha. She's an incredible servant to this country when she was a rep, a House rep, and now Sen- and a Senate member. The reason Senator Blackburn has to pick this bill up, Tudor, is because we are being combated in Texas on this very bill. Uh, Representative Nate Chathline in the Texas House uh, proposed a uh, an amendment to a bill that would instate that we would fingerprint and do either a DNA swab in the cheek or a fingerprint of a child coming into this country. We have to know, number one, by law, we have immigration law in this country. We have the right and we should know who's coming into the country to the point where we know where they're at. Because if you're a legal immigrant, legally, you have what's called a sponsor. They know where you work. Mm. They know where you live. The government can track you at any time, understanding where you are, because you are not a citizen of the United States. We cannot have people come into our country and we don't know where they're going. Now, Secretary Mallorcas tells us they've lost 85,000 children. That's, in fact, not true. The real number on the ground, Tudor, when you talk to law enforcement, Border Patrol, Texas Guard, National Guard, And I've had over 11 trips to the border and into Mexico. We've lost over a quarter million children. 
250,000 is the wow. real number. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm looking at my notes here and it says 85,000 children. And that's just crazy to think that that's not even right. And to think that the, the thing about this is that you're not just losing them. When people think about lost children, you don't understand. These kids are also being sold. They're also being enslaved. They're being used in slave Wait, labor. That, that happens. Teachers, they have to eat. They have to survive. And so it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? When you have a human being that is desperate for food and shelter, which is the lowest, the lowest need on Maslow's hierarchy, right? To manipulate that child is nothing. Now, if no one knows that child's in your country, which means no one is looking for that child, do you know that the cartel has labeled these children ghost children? They speak in, in, in Spanish. They call them ghost children because they know when that child crosses the border, you can put them in debt bondage. They can work midnight shifts at 2 o'clock in the morning scrubbing floors in McDonald's. They can be sold for sex. Very lucrative. Way more lucrative than selling a drug. These children, on average, those who are trafficked, are sold 5 to 15 times per day. Tutor, we are rescuing children in Maine, in Michigan, in Texas, in in uh, Portland, Oregon, who are all migrant children that nobody knows are here. There's no one's looking for them. How can now, this not rest- be a national story? How can the Democrats defend right? an open border when these are children? And the recycling part of it, I think people need to understand. They're being recycled and they're going through the border. They're going through the dangerous trek of crossing the border over and over again. It's a big circle for these kids because they're bringing in adults. We have nothing. We know nothing about, but the adults are pretending to be relatives of theirs. Here's why. And, and it's uh, man, I love this conversation with you because you're real. Here's how this works. If you cross the border with a child in arms, and this is not this is me firsthand. This is what we do every day. You get favorable treatment from NGOs on the border the Red Cross, and many other NGOs, if there's a child. But remember, more single, able-bodied, military-aged men are crossing the border than women or children. So there's more men than children. So now what does a guy do if he wants to cross the border with a child to get favorable treatment, which means it could be a bus ticket, a meal, clothing, a cell phone, whatever. They recycle the child back into Mexico because there's more young men than available children. So they traffic the child. And those 60% of children that will cross the border today, Tudor, have already been sexually exploited in the Mm. journey to the border. So that child crosses in, let's say, through Piedras Negras, right, into Eagle Pass. That child goes into Eagle Pass with an illegal Shepherded by cartel, that child is then separated from that person when they depart from the NGO. The child is taken down to Brownsville, Texas, back into Mexico to be put in the hands of another trafficker Mm. to bring another guy across for favorable. We are recycling children and you cannot get the job. So glad Senator Blackburn is doing this. And I hope that everybody out there talks, call your senators, tell them to get on board. Thank you, Yaku Boyens. Thank you so much for being on. He is wonderful. Check out what he's doing every day. It's awesome work. And if you're out there, we want to take your calls. We want to hear from you. Make sure you're calling at 800-282-2882. Tell us your Black Friday experience or whatever you want. We're excited to talk to you.
you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with how you're being tricked and your guns might be taken away. It's a shocker. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Clay and Buck Show. I'm Tudor Dixon coming to you live from the Wood Radio Studios here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We are very excited. It is all Christmassy in here, and it makes us feel really homey and wonderful. But this next story is not going to make you feel homey and wonderful at all. In Michigan, we are lucky to have the Midwesterner.news. The Midwesterner exposes all kinds of things, and this one is an ugly one. We just had a bill passed that was reported as a protection from domestic for domestic abuse survivors. So domestic abuse survivors were supposed to be excited about this bill because domestic abusers would not be allowed to buy a gun for eight years. Now, every news article said this is going to protect domestic abuse survivors. So who's going to argue with that, right? The problem is they're only telling you part of the story. This is how the Democrats sneak things in and they start to take away your rights, whittle them down, whether it's your First Amendment or in this case, your Second Amendment rights. I have the founder of the Midwesterner.news here with me in the studio, Kyle Olson. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. So tell us this gun stuff. What does it actually mean? Right. So this week, Gretchen Whitmer signed a package of bills that the media characterized as, quote unquote, pausing 
uh, the right to own a gun for those convicted of domestic abuse for eight years. So as you said, who, who could possibly be opposed to that? And of course, Whitmer and the, the media, that was the only example that they gave um, because they said, you know, this is intended to give uh, victims of domestic abuse peace of mind that their abuser will not be able to own a gun. Because- Which, I mean, that sounds good. That sounds like it's a really good thing, except for the, if you've, like, stolen from a vending machine or something, right? Well, right, but that, <laughs> but that also assumes that criminals actually follow gun laws, which we know that they don't. But what, was, what they didn't talk about that was in the bill was over 100 other felonies and misdemeanors that they included that the media and the Democrats didn't, um, didn't talk about. So, for example, if you uh, give a false statement on an application for veterans benefits, your gun rights can be taken away for up to five years, two to five years. Filing a false statement regarding election challengers. Oh, or, interesting one. Or knowing sale of certain duplicate health insurance. I don't know what health insurance, selling health insurance has to do with your gun rights. But that's what Democrats are saying. Um, other ones, as you indicated, uh, stealing from a vending machine. If you are bootlegging movies, um, if you are uh, using a device to eavesdrop on private conversations, all of these things were added to this bill. And now, of course, you know, some people are probably going to say, well, I don't bootleg movies and I don't take cars for joy rides. So what does it matter? But this is the start. But see, yeah, that's where I think that's that's the key is that you're you don't really care about the person who steals from a vending machine because you're like, first of all, how many people are stealing? And when you steal from a vending machine, do you get caught? But I have to say, like, if you get the if you vend something and then two come out, are you also liable? Because if you take it, I mean, give me a break. This is ridiculous. But think about this. It is at the point where they they sneak these things in. We don't say anything because, first of all, you don't read the bill. You see the news and it says you're protecting a domestic abuse survivor. You're not going to argue that. But then when you get into it, it's even people who give an illegal corporate donation to a candidate. So think about that. They We are now in a world, Kyle, where the government is picking the crime and then making you match it. So how do we know that Republican donors are going to not going to stop donating because they're going to lose their weapons and, well, and more than 50 percent of americans the majority of americans own guns correct and and what is stopping the democrats or whoever is in charge from expanding this list he, here in the state of michigan when you have a deer kill you have 72 hours that you have to report that otherwise you can be charged with a misdemeanor for not reporting your deer kill what's stopping them from adding that if you go to a school board meeting and you complain about the books that are in the library and the school board doesn't like that and they call the police could they add that but Who it, knows? they can create anything because they can make you fit one of the crimes too that's the thing that people don't understand you can suddenly fit this crime like i said you get something out of vending machine and a second thing of chips comes out and you take them suddenly you're going to have somebody behind you with red lights saying you've lost your ability to carry a gun you think i'm crazy but i talked to people when i was on the campaign one of the guys said you know what my mom kicked a fish off of our boat kicked a fish off of the boat because they were fishing they threw it back she kicked it off the dnr stopped her the dnr has the control to give you a misdemeanor she loses her concealed carry i mean that's the direction we're going kyle absolutely and democrats in lansing they're talking about repealing concealed carry. So 
the idea that gun rights are here to stay is not true. But, you know, there's there's light at the end of the tunnel because our research shows that there are 10.7 million gun owners in America that are not registered to vote. Mm. So the idea that gun owners don't have power, they absolutely do. But they have to register and, and turn out and vote. Get out there and register. Make sure you are making your voice heard. Thank you so much. That was Kyle Olson with the Midwesterner.news. Go check it out. It's a great site. It's keeping us up to date on all the truth that the Democrats are doing. Thank you for listening to Clay and Buck. Stick with us because next on the podcast, we're going to have Riley Gaines coming up to talk trans athlete record breaking. Fair or not fair? I say it's not fair. I have a feeling I know what Riley says as well. I think she's going to say not fair also. Stay tuned. We're going to be taking your calls as well. We want to hear all about your Black Friday experience. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. This is Tudor Dixon. I am guest hosting today, and I want to hear from you in the next segment. So after this commercial break, I'm taking your calls. You can ask me anything, so make sure you're calling in now. It's 800-282-2882. But first, we are going to talk about swimming. I know. It's an interesting concept because we now have boys getting into girls swimming, which I thought we were done with. I got to talk to Riley Gaines about this because... I don't get it. So this dude competed in men's college swimming in New Jersey for three years. It doesn't sound like he was turning a lot of head swimming, but his head, his head was turned by Leah Thomas. I don't know if you remember Leah was a man who competed against men and then decided to change genders and swim against women. Well, this dude in Jersey was like, yeah, I like that and said, I admire Thomas. Then lo and behold, this dude becomes a chick. He renames himself Megan. And sets a bunch of records in girls swimming. What? I mean, come on. Now we're allowing dudes to go in and, and set records. I have a feeling Riley is going to agree with me that this is total bananas, unacceptable Looney Tune stuff. Riley Gaines is with me now. Riley, thank you for joining me. <laughs> it is so good to talk to you, Tudor. And you're exactly right. Um, bananas is putting it mildly. I mean, it's utter insanity what we're seeing. But honestly... We shouldn't be shocked by this. We shouldn't have expected anything different because when we have people in leadership positions, like the people in the NCAA who created these policies, uh, like governors who aren't implementing legislation to ultimately stop men from competing as women, we should expect this to happen. Um, I thought we were done with this, though. I thought they had come out and said they weren't going to allow this to happen anymore. How did this happen again? (laughs) No, the NCAA has... They've been cowardly, to say the least. Uh, No moral compass, no backbone. What they're doing now, the NCAA, is they're in a phase-out approach, meaning uh, they don't want any hands on deck. They don't want to be responsible or held accountable for anything. Uh, So they're leaving it up to each specific sport governing body to make their own rules for each sport. Give me a break. So then all of a sudden, so what does this mean? Because this is what I want to get into. This guy is setting records, records that women will likely not be able to break. So now you have male records within the female system. So if you have this, if, if nobody is going to take accountability from a higher level, like you're saying, then you have somebody in New Jersey setting records and the person in Illinois can never do that. But Illinois, well, Illinois is probably a bad example. Let's say Alabama is saying (laughs) you can't have trans women competing against biological women, but they still have that record out there. Exactly. And again, same thing that happened with Leah Thomas. 
Look, Leah Thomas holds pool records, holds Ivy League records, holds school records that will never be touched uh, by any female because the times aren't womanly times. It's not time, times that women would go, can go, really. And again, it's not sexist to say that. It's not to say that women are inferior or, or less than men, but we are different than men. That's why we have the women's sporting category to begin with. That's why you create any division. I mean, if you think of, of boxing, for example, or, you know, some sort of mixed martial arts or fighting, you have weight classes. And we of don't course. have the heavyweight category because we're fat shaming people who weigh more. No, it's because we know the outcome if we let a heavyweight compete against a featherweight. Right, exactly. And I'm telling you, I saw a picture you posted yesterday of a turkey trot, and I'm, I've got to tell you, I was jealous. And in my mind, I was telling the kids, or the kids in the studio, the people in the studio with me earlier that I blame my kids for everything that has made me unhealthy. And so I was like, yeah, I used to do the turkey trot too, but it's because of the darn kids that I don't get to do that anymore. But you look like you are in amazing shape. <laughs> So I'm very jealous, but why Why do people think that someone that is in as great a shape as you should be able to compete against a man who's also in great shape? <laughs> Look, this is like Keith Olbermann, for example. <laughs> someone who, which is yeah, like, right. covered sports for forever, yet uh, wants to call me mediocre. He says, I was a mediocre athlete because I couldn't be a male. No, you I want to be mediocre? like you. I want to be mediocre <laughs> like you. <laughs> if, if that's mediocre, then what is what are these men who competing in the men's category? Uh, if if them competing in the women's category is mediocre, oh gosh, they must be awful, which they are competing against the men. But I mean, these are guys who uh, that's exactly true. They are. They they were not good. They competed against men. They never got any attention. And I do think that there is something to be said for people that are just seeking attention. But this is at the risk of women who have worked their entire lives. In fact, I got to say, my daughter was talking about doing swimming in high school. And one of the other moms was like, yeah, they have to be up in north north of our town at 5 a.m. every day. And I was like. These poor girls have they've sacrificed so much. I don't think people recognize how much. And I think that this is not working. Honestly, I want to ask you about this because I think it's not working politically because there's not it's not like everybody has a daughter who does swimming. It's not like everybody has a daughter who's in sports. So if it's not affecting your life, you don't understand how it is affecting the the lives of, of others. But don't you think we need more people? You've talked about women just boycotting if they have to compete against men. Tell me about that. Absolutely. And look, I didn't think this for the longest time. I thought, you know, women shouldn't have to compromise. They shouldn't have to sacrifice anything. You know, it's, it's the men who are the problem and we shouldn't be left to handle it. Mm. But I changed my mind on that when uh, this bill, uh, the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, was introduced in the U.S. House by Representative Greg Stubbe and fell entirely on party lines, meaning, of course, 219 Republicans voted in favor of protecting women's sports, and all 203, uh, every single last one of them, all 203 Democrats voted in opposition of protecting women and girls in sports. And that's when I realized, look, if we wait for legislation to handle this, if we wait for people to do the right thing, we'll be waiting for too long. Too many girls will be injured. Too many girls will be exploited in locker rooms. Too many girls will, will lose out on opportunities. So it is going to be a boycott that is necessary, uh, and quite frankly, urgent. Just this, um, just actually yesterday, there was a pool tournament, um, Billards, 
and there is a male competing in the women's division, and two female pool players conceded their match. They forfeited. They said, look, we're not playing against the male. Same thing happened in jiu-jitsu recently. This is crazy. I mean, every sport it's happening in. That's the bizarre thing. Yes, yes. But within 21 hours, these girls boycotted. They said, look, I'm not getting on a mat grappling with a guy. And within 21 hours, uh, NAGA, which is the National Grappling Association, changed their policy to prevent men from competing against women. So it shows you it's effective. It shows you public outrage is is effective. Um, People are are irritated about this. Parents, coaches, of course, female athletes themselves. um, I mean, I think that's gross. That's just gross. Why that? Why do they want to be doing that? Yeah, well, it's perverse, especially in regard to the locker room aspect. Um, allowing men into women's locker rooms, um, of course, non-consensually. A few years ago, that would have been considered sexual harassment. Um, and a DA would have followed this man into the locker room and they'd be arrested on charges of um, indecent exposure, voyeurism, um, again, sexual harassment. But now it's celebrated. It's called brave and stunning and it's being applauded rather than, than reprimanded. So I I like that you came out and you said you changed your mind because I think that too often people are afraid to say that. And I think it's important because I agree with you 100 percent. I mean, you came out and you helped me campaign. We campaigned on this issue. And I've found I talked at the beginning of the show today about things I learned that Republicans aren't doing the right way. And one of them is this issue. If we talk about this, for some reason, there is so much defense of these people who want to come in and and do this to women in their sports, these men that want to compete as women in women's sports. For some reason, there's like these these defenders of this. It tugs at people's heartstrings. So politically, I think it doesn't work, and I think that's why Democrats are like, oh, I'm never going to give on that because I don't want to be lumped in with these Republicans who are against it. But you're right. The boycott, it will work. And it's hard because you've worked your whole life for this. But you women out there, you are the champions of this. And and maybe you are placed in the at this time in life on purpose because you are the strong ones who will stop this insanity and protect the next group of women. Of course. And that's what it's about. Right. It's about protecting the next generation. Uh, speaking for myself, you know, I was done competing after that championships against Thomas. Uh, that was my last meet. I was done. But mm-hmm. I thought about my little sister. I thought about who's a phenomenal athlete. I thought about, you know, being married a year and a half now. I thought about hopefully I get to have a daughter of my own one day. And I thought about her. And I felt guilty. I felt responsible. I couldn't imagine being in the position that I was in, facing what we had faced, and not fighting for her, because those are the voiceless. Uh, those are the people who don't yet understand the implications of what this will mean for them uh, and their opportunities and their chances for success. And I'll tell you, I also thought of the women who came before me who fought relentlessly for Title IX. Look, I think people right. forget, look, Title IX hasn't been around for forever. Uh, it's only been 50 short years since women were, were really awarded these opportunities and allowed to to showcase their abilities based on their own physical feelings. And now My in kids, those women's same lifetime, they're seeing those opportunities being taken away. I have four daughters and my kids, I can see their passion every time they get out on the basketball court or the volleyball court, wherever they're playing, I can see their passion and their competitiveness with the other team. And I just think about them 
having to do that, knowing that they have no chance against a man, knowing that there is a man on that court and they are not going to be able to defeat that man. Just the the defeating feeling of that. And I don't and I think anybody, if you're out there right now listening to this, if you think that this is a social issue, it's not the stop just calling it that stop chalking it up to that, because this is about the the emotional healthiness of our kids who are playing sports and their ability to learn how to be on a team and compete in a healthy environment. Of course. And it's about the message we're sending to them because right now the message that young girls are being told is that they don't matter is that their privacy in areas of undressing doesn't matter. Their safety in their sports, as we've seen in Massachusetts with this field hockey incident recently where a young girl had all of her teeth knocked out and had to undergo facial reconstruction surgery uh, because a male was allowed to play. Same thing with volleyball. Uh, high school senior Peyton McNabb, who was playing, spiked in the face by a male. Still to this day, a year and almost three months later, still partially paralyzed on her right side, isn't playing college sports like she was supposed to. Her vision is impaired. That We're being told our safety doesn't matter. We're being told our opportunities, our feelings, our dignity. That doesn't matter. What matters to the people like the Biden administration, uh, like the NCAA, like the people leading this country. And again, not to politicize it because it shouldn't be. I totally agree with you. This should not be a political issue. But like the left, uh, the leadership uh, within the Democratic Party, what matters to them is protecting the feelings and the identity of a male, even if it means we as women, young girls, become collateral damage in the process, which is exactly what's happening. And what an awful message to send to those young girls. Well, we are glad you are out there fighting every day. Riley Gaines, thank you so much for being on the show today. Everybody else, make sure you're calling in. We want your crazy stories next. 800-282-2882. Stick with us. We'll be right back with viewer and listener calls. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. 
Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Clay and Buck Show. I'm Tudor Dixon. I am part of Clay and Buck's podcast network here on iHeart. You can find new episodes of the Tudor Dixon podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And make sure you follow me at Tudor Dixon on Twitter. Oh, I guess we have to call it X now, Facebook and Instagram. And so subscribe for the podcast. Make sure you get it every single day. Now we are trying to bring in our guests and I, it looks like we have a few callers. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. I want to bring in Annie from Bangor, Maine. She wants to talk about the, the human trafficking. So earlier we had someone on talking about human trafficking. It is really a tragedy in the United States. Annie, are you there? I am. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the me? show. Okay, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I wanted to touch base on the human trafficking segment. Um, there is another form of human trafficking going on. Um, it's been going on since about 2010. Um, it's called the Florida Shuffle. Um, it involves drug addicts seeking treatment in rehabs. It originated in Florida, and it is now actually nationwide. Um, drug addicts who have their own um, insurance, usually covered under their parents until they're the age of 26, Mm -hmm. um, are exploited to different rehabs all over the country. They're paid to go there. They're given cigarettes. They're um, given drugs. The whole purpose is to keep them involved in the system. Um, so they can so it's like an insurance scam? It is an insurance. Well, it is because they are rehabs. They're drug rehabs. They are, um, there's, doctors involved, there's nurses involved, there's insurance companies involved, there's people who prescribe medications involved, um, and I believe the cartel is involved also, um, and it's really bad. It's really okay, bad. the Florida shuffle. Well, we're learning about that. Thank you so much, Annie. And let's bring in Steve from Allentown, Pennsylvania. I was born in Pennsylvania, so I'm kind of partial to bringing in Steve before we end this segment. Steve, what's up? It's a privilege to speak with you, Ms. Dixon. <laughs> Thank may I, you. May I, may I address you as tutor? Of course. Thank you. I was wondering if you have any possible aspirations for a political office again. You know, I started this 
show by talking about the fact that we are not doing things right on the Republican side. And I am trying to change that. So and when I say that, I mean, from the way we advertise, the way we talk to people, the, the subjects that we're talking about. And I'm trying to help folks on the ground here in Michigan and across the country in 2024. And if I can see some changes in that, then I am definitely going to look at running again, because I think that we have to make sure that we're doing it the right way. Really quickly, uh, JR in Naples, quickly, quickly, we have just a few seconds. Fast, fast. They tried to push this uh, uh, baloney uh, about men uh, competing against women at my children's high school, and the entire community lost their minds and shut it down. That was three years ago. It, it takes uh, it takes a small start, but it's a small victory, and I'm thankful That's- for it. That's right, JR. Thank you so much. That's right. We all have to work together. That's the important thing. You heard it from Riley Gaines. You heard it from JR. Everybody has to take back our country together. Make sure you stick with us. We're going to be back in a few minutes with the third hour of Clay and Buck. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 